This episode is brought to you by Blue Blocks, who are the original science-backed brand providing fashionable Australian-made blue light management and red light therapy products as seen in Vogue, GQ and L. Jess, I have a quick science lesson for you. So the sun is the most natural source of blue light and rather cleverly, our brains use the light from the sun to regulate our body clocks. When the sun starts to set, this signals to our brains to start producing melatonin, which prepares us for sleep. However, with more and more artificial blue light products in our everyday lives, this quite understandably confuses the F out of our brains. Enter Blue Blocks. They have a range of products which filter down harmful artificial blue light, which come from sources like our phones, laptops, tablets, TVs, and even LED light bulbs. In fact, Harvard University found that too much exposure to blue light not only disrupts our sleep, but can increase our risk of multiple health issues. Our favourite product of Blue Blocks is the Lumi Clip Sleep Plus, which is the most perfect reading light, particularly before bread. Its red light is not only easy on the eye, but can be proven to stimulate melatonin production, which improves sleep. Hurrah! It perfectly clips to your book, it's rechargeable and the light is easy to manoeuvre. It's been a real game changer. It's a perfect size and super lightweight, which means you can have it on you wherever you go, whether you're travelling, using to read before bed, or even just need to get up in the middle of the night and don't want to turn on an overhead light. Their website is great and breaks down all the science behind their products. So head to blueblocks.com and use code BOOKRECOS15 for 15% off all their products. That's B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com and use code BOOKRECOS15 for 15% off. Thank you, Blue Blocks. Welcome to Book Recos Between the Pages. I'm Jess. And I'm Lauren. And we're the pals behind Book Recos. This is the podcast where we chat all things books and just about everything in between. And recently, and completely by accident, we have both been reading books written by Korean authors. So we thought we'd make a bit of a thing of it and dedicate an entire podcast episode to those recent reads. And coincidentally, it's tied in with Books That Matter's April theme. If you don't know, we run a monthly competition with them, so make sure you're subscribed to the podcast to hear how you could win their April box. Lauren, happy end Jessica. of bank holiday weekend. How's, oh, your, so how's your bank hole been? What have you been up to? Oh, it's just been so nice. The weather makes such a difference. I know it sounds so old and boring, but it genuinely does. There is actually nothing better than when the weather is nice on a bank holiday. It's like all, all, you can't all beat planets it. collided and it's all just <laughs> been amazing. It's, it's gone direct. It totally did. It went direct. And you know what? I had no plans. I was like, I'm going to be really good. Like, I'm not going to really drink wine or get boozy this weekend at all. And then got to my mum's house and she bought this absolutely beautiful bottle of rosé. And I was mm. like, the sun's out. Fuck it. It would be rude not to. It genuinely would be rude. Actually rude, especially with the sun out. Oh, <sighs> nice. Um, did you do any reading? Mm-hmm. Do you know what? I've struggled. Actually, to be fair, Friday, I Friday and Saturday, I read the sentence by Louise. Um, oh God, I've forgotten her last name. Uh, uh, Too much rose. Too much rose. And I, I got through that. That was a fairly chunky book. And then Saturday night, Sunday, what are we today? Monday, I haven't really read anything. What about nice. you? Nice, you need a little rest. Um, yeah. I've still been on one since um, my COVID spiel. Actually, on that, 
this is the first podcast episode in, I think since February <laughs> that I haven't been nasally. Congratulations. Be- because I had my bad cold and we recorded <laughs> an episode with the cold. And yeah. then, you know, like yeah. after a cold, when you've kind of got over it, but you still sound super nasal, yeah. we recorded two in one day. So both nasally, then yeah. I got better and then I got COVID and then I was back to being nasally again. And we interviewed <laughs> two more authors while I had COVID. So and now, like, thank God, touch wood, I'm back. And I'm really sorry if you still think I'm nasally because I don't think my voice is nasally, but maybe I just am. Um, <laughs> it's like when I got my, do you remember when I got my retainer and I was like, I was sure I was lispy. Yeah, but you weren't. I was a little bit, but okay, that's all gone to now. Tell me that I am a behind bit me. <laughs> Maybe. No, um, not at all. But yeah, no, um, the point I was making is that since having COVID, where I had nothing to do but read, I'm, I'm still on, on you one really are. You with my on reading. You such a role. Um, for anyone who isn't, is in maybe a bit of a slump, I've got a quick TV reco, if you, if you care to know. I'd love one, actually. We're, and it um, is kind of book related. Okay, please hit it. Um, I'm currently watching Anatomy of a Scandal on Netflix. Did you ever read the book by Sarah Vaughan? It's called Anatomy of a Scandal. <laughs> Mental. <laughs> no, I didn't. Really good. Um, it's a good one. Like if you are, um, it's like a good one for anyone to watch. So partners would enjoy it too. It's not like, you know, overly girly or like too masculine mm-hmm. um to uh, but it's really good it's about this like parliamentary minister who's having an affair and it gets leaked and the woman he was having an affair with then accuses him of rape um so it covers the trial and his wife is called, played by sienna miller which is like oh my god she's such a babe um but sarah vaughan who's the author of the book she used to be a journalist covering sex scandals as a courtroom reporter in Britain. So Mm -hmm. it's all like very based, like heavily influenced by her experiences in the courtroom and stuff. And also I just think it's really interesting that it's exploring rape within a consenting relationship Mm -hmm. and how that's a thing. Like, you know, Um, consent is a, is a thing that you need to get every single time just if you're in relationship doesn't mean you you have consent you know yeah um is it trending on Netflix because I went on to Netflix and a trailer just started playing which I'm gonna assume is this I can't remember what the title was but it was like um a courtroom and someone was reading out a court case and like that's the trailer and usually I'd be like oh trailer's playing skip on but I watched like the whole trailer as did my boyfriend so you're right one for partners he was like should we watch it so we're going to at some point. Oh, nice. But, yeah, you definitely should. Yeah, but we really are 100 years after the fact watching Breaking <laughs> Bad for the first time. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know how I avoided it this whole time, but we watched are you Game it? of Thrones, thought it was mediocre. We watched a bit of Peaky Blinders and was like, not going to carry on with this. So I think we just always assumed that like maybe we wouldn't mm. be into Breaking Bad, even though it's so our vibe. And he's he's been like... God, this is actually really good, isn't it? And I'm like, <laughs> no shit. Everyone else watched it millions of years ago and said it was amazing. So I'm now watching Break About it and I think really it's fantastic. So, I think so from good. memory, the second series dips a little bit. No. And then picks up again. Because we're we're, we're at the end of the second series and we're like, it oh, keeps okay. getting better. Oh, and you know what's really, really nice actually watching it after the fact is that like all these years later, I'll like see a scene or see a something and I'm like, Oh my god! I remember when like all the cocktails were blue, and in like 
scientific flasks yeah. at the bars and it was related to this. And I'm like, now I'm in the joke. It's, it's too I late because I'm guys. not serving them anymore. But now I get it. <laughs> um, Love that for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, right, do we now we get into books? books? Is that something that we yeah, do? Yeah, let's do it. Um, right, I'm going to give some context because I forced you into this one. So this is a complete coincidence. Um, I was reading Crying in H Mart, which is written by a Korean American, and it's but it's heavily um, about like Korean culture. I'll get onto that. And whilst I was reading that, Books That Matter announced that their theme for April was reading K drama, and I thought, oh my god, I'm excited for that now that I've like been enjoying reading this one. And I'd been sent The Old Woman with the Knife by Canon Gate Publishing, which I was super keen to read. Um, based on the premise we'll get onto that again and so I started reading I think while I had COVID because I was just getting through books like yes I'm going to pick that one up now and I was like oh my god I've just read like both of these and then I'm like probably going to read my um, books that matter book I think and then Lauren had been sent um what was it called Lauren if I had your face if I had your face which is set in South Korea and I was like Lauren let's make a thing of it you need to read your books that matter one as well and let's like dedicate a whole podcast episode to these like recent reads because this is too like weird of a coincidence to not isn't it and I love that you picked up on it because I probably <laughs> I would have I would have read if I had your face but probably not for a while yeah so I'm really glad I read it now so we can tie it in a pretty bow and make it a whole thing like we did it on purpose because we're just that organized we're which that you might be but I am not. that's why this has shocked me so much but yes I have now tied it all together in that bow but it you know, it the universe played the cards for us. <laughs> it came direct to us. <laughs> um, so what order should we go in? Are we taking it in turns? I feel like you've read more K-drama than I have. So well, maybe yeah, maybe. Kick us off. And I would actually like to start with Crying in H Mart because it was like the first You're welcome to. Flurry. You go for it. You do um, that. So Crying in H Mart is by Michelle Zauner. Zauner, I'm sorry. I'm actually going to make a point of this, that she is well known. She's a famous musician and I hadn't heard of her before or her band. And I read her memoir and I have never read a memoir of someone that I don't know. It's always like a celebrity or a writer or someone I know. And then I seek out their memoir because I want to read it. And so this is proof that you do not have to know the person you're reading a memoir about to love it because it's absolutely brilliant. Um, so as I said earlier, the writer grew up in America, her dad is American. And so it's not technically Korean literature. Like she, she, she would probably classify herself as American, but her mother is, um, was Korean. And it's, this book is like an ode to her mum and her whole relationship with her mum. Oh, nice. Um, and it's, and it's probably um, influenced her culture and her upbringing. massive, massively, especially as like you're hearing this. And so it's a memoir about growing up with her dual heritage and her relationship with her mother and her mother is full of high expectations and that you know they clash a lot but that's her mum of course she loves her mum and it's like an ode to her because her mum died of cancer and um it begins with her crying in a Korean food hall because she's like so full of grief and that's where she goes to remember her remember her mum but it makes her super sad but like kind of cathartic to just go and cry in like this public place (laughs) hence why it's called crying in h mart um and like it is really 
sad but like you start off there and then you kind of go back in time and you hear about their relationship with her as a young child and a teenager and like how much they clash and also a bit about her relationship with her dad and honestly this book is an ode to Korean food as much as it is to her mum like her mum loved to cook and it made me so hungry and made me want to try so much Korean food because I don't actually think I have maybe I've had like Korean barbecue once what's it like do you well, I haven't tried any of it, but these were all like just the way she describes them as well. She's a fantastic writer. Um, yeah, and it was just brilliant. And like there was a I folded over quite a few pages. What's this one here that I folded over? Sorry, I know that's like a lot of people wouldn't dare fold. And it's rogue that I would when I don't crack a spine, but I'm happy to fold pages. Oh, that was yeah, so I actually related to her on this bit. She was like, um, my mother was. Uh, she was not referred to as a mummy mum, which I, which is what I envied most of my friends for having. A mummy mum is someone who takes an interest in everything her child has to say, even when there's actually no way she gives a shit, who whisks you away to the doctor <laughs> when you complain of the slightest ailment, who tells you they're just jealous if someone makes fun of you, or you always look beautiful to me, even if you don't. Or I love this when you give them a piece of crap for Christmas. <laughs> but every time I got hurt, my mum would start screaming, not for me, but at me. And I couldn't understand it. When my friends got hurt, their mother scooped them up and told them it was going to be okay, or they went straight to the doctor. White people were always going to the doctor. But when I got hurt, my mum was livid as if I had maliciously damaged her property. And that is what my mum used to do to me. She used to be, look what you've done to your face. <laughs> like be angry at me and that'd be doubly sad because not only had I hurt myself but now my mum was cross with me and I was like no one's ever said this before I love it <laughs> I love that because my mum is much more the mum you've just <laughs> described in that quote though so, <laughs> having said that if ever I would like I don't know pick like say I'm ugly or pick on a part of my body my mum would always be like excuse me I made that face <laughs> um, which is actually a really good comeback so yeah yeah good one um so yeah I just loved it and I love that I didn't even know the writer yeah beforehand. so what made you read the memoir if you didn't know Michelle I I'd seen amazing reviews for a while and I nearly yeah. bought the hardback a few times oh, really? I nearly bought it on that fateful trip to Waterstones where there wasn't the 50 oh, yes. off deal anymore and didn't leave with it um so as soon as it came out in paperback we were like right we're doing this but it's time um and actually I bought it at flocks on the day of the international women's day event so it's actually a little bit more special to me because I'm like oh that was that that speaking thing um such a great bookshop so yeah um absolutely loved it and a high high record I would say um like if you've lost your mum it might make you super sad and so yeah. still read it because you 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 you'd probably still love it but like take it easy have a light-hearted one on the side or something because it's only yeah. 200 pages but it's pretty heavy yeah definitely um well if we're going to go in chronological order maybe that might make sense what came next you were on a bit of a roll so I yes have a feeling it's gonna be one of yours I was on a roll because during covid I kept reading books that weren't very long. And then it, like I got this sense of achievement when I would read a book in a whole day because I had nothing else going for me. Yeah. I was supposed to be in Sicily and I had to cancel the whole thing. I was like, right, oh. as long as we're achieving one book a day, we're good. <laughs> and actually, very, very strange. All three of the ones that I read in this genre today are all really short, like Crying in HMR, 200 pages, Concerning My Daughter, 200 pages. I think The Old Woman with the Knife is like just under 300 so I love how concise Korean literature is. 
so concise. This is another little coincidence that we found. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think that's a broad statement. (laughs) All books written by Korean authors. I've been talking for ages, Lauren. Actually, you go next. I need a I need a drink of water. Would you like to talk about your your All right. um, Just quickly <laughs> unmute myself because I've been snacking away on my pretzels whilst you've been chatting. We're multitasking here. I'm going to mute while you talk and have a snack, and then we'll swap. Um, so I got sent if I had your face by Francis Shah Char by Words with Wine, which is a wine and book subscription box. Um, Jess and I both got sent one actually and mine had a bottle of white wine and Jess you went for the rosé I think and you can buy them as one-off gift boxes for about £30 or subscribe monthly and basically it's just a beautiful box that arrives with a bottle of wine and a book and you don't know what book it's going to be it's a surprise. So I received If I Had Your Face which I'm really chuffed about. Yeah I love the cover. Mm, It's such a beautiful cover. Um, So I'll quickly drop the synopsis so um, we can all know what we're talking about. So If I Had Your Face plunges into the mesmerizing world of contemporary Seoul, a place where extreme plastic surgery is as routine as getting a haircut, where women compete for spots in secret room salons to entertain wealthy businessmen after hours and where k-pop stars the object of all consuming obsessions and ruthless social hierarchies dictate your every move so it was really such an interesting read like I mentioned in my review that I've been waiting to read this book ever since Pandora recorded it on the Hilo podcast and seeing as that's not been a podcast for I think at least a year now maybe more yeah more than a year it's so it's been on my TBR for a really long time. <laughs> um, and I just absolutely loved it. It was really short. It was like 288 pages, but it like packs a, a real punch. Like I just really enjoyed, and you'll probably find this too, Jess, in the books you've read this month. Um, I've just really enjoyed getting to know a little bit more about Korean culture. Yeah. Like I think you only for me certainly I've only really heard one sort one side of Korea um and it's like what you read in the news but I've never Mm. really like understood or educated myself on like the cultural um norms over there and like what it's like as a woman growing up in Mm -hmm. in um Korea so found it fascinating to read um albeit this was through fiction but one thing is, and I don't know if this was touched on in your books, but this book specifically covers like the fascination or well, sorry, the trend of plastic surgery over there. Um, no, it didn't. And just like how toxic the beauty standards are and how many of the women in this book at least feel pressured to have like really like life-threatening surgery to change their faces um, and have more westernized beauty standards. Um, So thought that was really interesting. One of the main characters, um, I think her name is Kayuri, was the character I found myself really drawn to. It's that you've got four protagonists throughout the book and each chapter is written from one of their perspectives. And do they know each other? 
Yes, they are. Like three of them are flatmates or sort of live together. And mm-hmm. one woman lives like in the same apartment block, but downstairs. Okay. Um, and you've got um, Kayuri, who is like, she's very affluent. She works in as a salon girl in one of the salon rooms in Korea, which is essentially like, Apparently they're everywhere and a lot of Korean businessmen will just rent a salon room, bring Mm. their business partners along to it. And you're just paying for these beautiful women to sit beside you for the evening and like get drunk with you. Um, But a lot of the women are then, you know, given cash under the table to basically like um, do more do more so Mm. one woman Kayuri, she was a salon girl and she has spent like ridiculous sums of money on plastic surgery and so she's indebted to her salon so she's like working to pay off her debts and she can't leave the salon because she owes so much money to them and then you've got um Miho who is an orphan who wins a scholarship to a prestigious art school in New York so she's went and lived in New York for a little while um and becomes really enmeshed with this really super wealthy um Korean elite woman while she's over there you've got Wona who's their neighbor she's pregnant she's living with her husband but she's like very um fed up of her husband and you've got Ara, who is non-verbal after an incident happened in her childhood and she's a hairstylist but they're all like sort of they're so they all go in and out of each other's lives um and you just see what everyday life is like for them in their jobs and their friendships and culture um and I just thought it was like it was just so interesting I loved it um and like I said 300 pages but it covers like the Korean beauty standards prostitution sexism classism wealth particularly like how men use their money to control women over there and how there are such different standards put upon men than there are women um so yeah I just loved it that sounds brilliant lots lots to dig into I almost feel like I'd have liked it to be longer yeah I Um, agree with that on on maybe really yeah yeah they achieved a lot in what they did but like I could have kept going and going yeah same but it was like my first um book that's been translated so from Korean so yeah 10 out of 10 loved it um what did you read next then Jess I read next The Old Woman with the Knife. Oh, I remember you wanted to read this one. Yes. And I wanted to read it based on the premise. Get a load of this. I'm going to read it to you now. Hornclaw is a 65-year-old female contract killer who is considering retirement. A fighter who has experienced loss and grief early on in life. She lives in a state of self-imposed isolation with just her dog, Deadweight, for company. While on an assassination job for the disease control company she works for, Hornclaw makes an uncharacteristic error, causing a sequence of events that brings her past well and truly into the present. Threatened with sabotage by a young male upstart and battling new desires and urges when she least expects them, Hornclaw steals her resolve, demonstrating that no matter their age, the female of the species is always more deadly than the male. Ooh, elderly character, bit of murder, sounds like a bit of you. Right. And also and I love that the dog's called Deadweight. I love that the dog's called Deadweight. <laughs> and actually reading about 
her dog dead weight like slightly kooky name and the way she talks about her dog make you think of 6 30 after having like the <laughs> i just read lessons in chemistry with 6 30 very clever dog dead weight is also intuitive like kind of learns that he needs to look after himself because this woman is like not a caring dog owner. like she loves her dog but like she's not she hasn't got a dog for like okay. all these sentimental yeah she's like i just need you to kind of be there when i need you arm's length be around, look after yourself. And like the dog kind of gets that. Don't expect emotional attachment. Yeah. And so like having read both of them so near each other, I was like, dogs are great. We we don't deserve dogs. Um, But from that blurb, as you might imagine, I had ridiculously high expectations, which is annoying. That sounds like amazing. I didn't quite reach them, but oh, that's right. something I totally did to myself. I still highly enjoyed it and it's definitely a reco, but it wasn't that five-star grab that I wanted it to be. Okay. Um, I mean, we start incredibly strongly because she silently kills a man on a commuter train because he wouldn't give up his seat for a pregnant woman. Iconic. And and she's <laughs> a she's a contract no killer. No, so she would usually like be told you need to kill so-and-so. She's got a few days to plan it out. This is like this guy's a douchebag. So when he gets off the train, she like stabs him in the back silently. So many times I would want to do that. In the <laughs> <laughs> um, so a very strong start. I was like, yes, Hornclaw, we are in. I can't wait to learn all about you and be your busy mate. And then like the pace kind of slows, um, which I didn't mind because I did really like hearing about her past because I was like, how does she get into this? She's been going for such a long time. Like, give me some stories about different missions you've been on or whatever. Um, and I mean, I don't know if this will make any sense, but like when you have a killer idea, no pun intended, um, that I feel like there are so many ways you could go with the plot of this, like kind like you've got this amazing idea. Oh my God, what the hell do you do? There's just yeah. so many avenues to go down. And like, sometimes I would like them to choose a different one to what they do. Uh, <laughs> like, okay. Any sense? Like they ended up, got I mean, feedback. yeah, I don't want to give away spoilers so I won't say exactly what it is but like the main case of the book isn't like her usual kind of job it's not like she's she gets put on this job to deal it deal with it it kind of comes to her in this roundabout way um and so I was like I I mean maybe that is more exciting but I would have liked her to be set task and I watched her do it and like (laughs) yeah so I think there was probably so many avenues to go down and then they chose Mm -hmm. one that I was not not vibing with as much but like I so enjoyed it wolfed it down would have again gladly read more um yeah it's a definite reco I think okay it's um I'm sure people will end up liking it to like my sister, the serial killer and that sort of thing, which I kind of get like it's dry Mm. and witty and there is murder. Um, So if you like that, maybe try this. Nice. Okay. And I think you said something similar when we recorded our feminist dystopian episode where like Mm. you love the plot, but you just wish it went down a slightly different angle. Yeah. And I don't know who I think I am. It's not like I've written a book. Like I'm sure if I came up with a plot, I'd be like, this is the right way to go. And there are other people that would be like, no, you did that wrong. (laughs) But I just clearly have like a, or I like can't decide. And so then when they go down one, I'm like, "Hmm, where else could you have gone? You know? (laughs) Anyway, next book, the only buddy read of the episode. Oh, yes. Um, is Concerning My Daughter by Kim Hai Jin, which is the book that was we were sent in our Books That Matter boxes. Mm-hmm. 
Lauren, have you got your book there? Can you drop this Fabby. So when a mother allows her 30-something daughter to move into her apartment, she wants for her to what many mothers might say they want for their children, a steady income and even better, a good husband with a good job with whom to start a family. But when Green turns up with her girlfriend Lane in tow, her mother is unprepared and unwilling to welcome Lane into the home. In fact, she can barely bring herself to be civil. Having centred her life on her husband and her child, her daughter's definition of family is not one she can accept. Her daughter's involvement in a case of unfair dismissal involving gay colleagues from the university where she works is similarly strange to her. And yet, when the care home where she works insists that she lower her standard of care for an elderly dementia patient who has no family, who travelled the world as a successful diplomat, who chose not to have children, Green's mother cannot accept it. Why should not having chosen a traditional life mean that your life is not living at all, worth living at all? Fabulous, Blub. Isn't it just like... I want to say, I was about to say she's just nailed it, but obviously she has, it's her book, but it's just captured the the, like complicated family dynamics. Yes. So well. Yeah. And clearly it's a very loving mother-daughter relationship. Mm. And do you know what's interesting? We never find out what the daughter's actual name is. I was just thinking this. Yeah. So Lane, the the daughter's girlfriend, calls her daughter Green. And she's always referring to her as green. And it really annoys yeah. the mother who's the narrator. That she, That's not her name. That's not her name. But we never know what her actual name yeah. is. Yeah. I found that interesting too. Yeah. Um, I just I just thought it was really cleverly written. Do you know what I really liked about it is that, don't get me wrong, there are a lot of books that explore mother-daughter relationships. But I think it's rare that this book is only written from the perspective of the mother and not from her daughter mm-hmm. so you're only hearing the mother's side to her relationship with her daughter which I just thought was really interesting and I would I almost would love would have loved if the book was slightly longer and told from both perspectives but equally I I think that's not what she was trying to achieve with this book she was trying to like just sort of communicate the generational barriers between mother and daughter, especially yeah. when um, the daughter is a gay woman. Yeah, and actually that something that I kept thinking about mm. while reading it is that, like, she is, I mean, she's, I don't think she sets out to be homophobic, but she is because of her but generation is, yeah. or her beliefs or whatever it might be. She's homophobic. And it's obviously we're reading it as being like what at all and we're like on the the daughter's side if you will because we aren't that type of person Mm. but we're reading it all from her point of view like she's almost the antagonist in a way because of our belief system and you don't normally hear from them and so it made me think will there be people that read it that are I don't know the similar age to the mother have similar beliefs Mm-hmm. who are like so on the mother's side and are like yeah. oh yes and like but I couldn't imagine that because I wasn't I didn't have the same thought process as the mother yeah. um and actually I folded down a quote which kind of encapsulated it it's um so it's when her daughter and Lane have like a bunch of friends over she says 
And she's and this is the mother talking about the group of friends. I'm surprised to find that some of them are married, people with jobs and families. What has possessed them to take an interest in these things that have nothing to do with them? What does it have to do with them? I feel exposed. I don't know what face to make or what to say. I just cannot be myself around these people in the way I felt comfortable around my daughter's friends long ago. And like she cannot fathom that there are people that are happy to hang out with gay people or to help fight for the rights of gay people. Yeah. And I wonder and not like, are be there, gay. Yeah. And like, are there other people that will read that and be like, oh, God, I'm the same. But like, I can't imagine that. Does that make any no, sense? Yeah. <laughs> I, I found it's it really quite difficult as well to read because like you say, I'm so on the side of the daughter, um, but it's written in such a way that at points you do empathize with yeah. the mother. Yeah. And there were moments where I had to catch myself and be like, oh my God, I really hope I'm not like, obviously she's not changing my belief system, but you're on the journey with the mother and you feel sorry for her at points because she is so upset about the situation she's in. And I found myself feeling sorry for her. And then I was like, hold on a minute. Like, I don't feel sorry for her (laughs) because this situation does not warrant empathy. But I did feel sorry that she just didn't understand her daughter. and but that's her own fault for not trying to understand. It's not her daughter's fault by any means. And at first, I don't know if you were the same, before we found out about um, the daughter being a gay woman, there's like a situation where she rings her mum to like basically be like, can you just remortgage the house? I need to move in or or like I need some money. Mm. And I was like, oh my God, this girl is an absolute douchebag. Like (laughs) she's just so rude, put so much on her mum, put so much stress on her mum. And like, I just really didn't like her. And I thought the mum was just such a pushover. But then as the book progressed, I sort of like you sort of unravel that situation. And I wonder if I then went back to read that scene. After I'd finished the book, would I then have interpreted it differently? Mm. Maybe Maybe. do that. Yeah, maybe. Uh, But yeah, I just really liked it. Like it was it was meant to be uncomfortable, I think. Yeah. And you know what we haven't mentioned? And I only just remembered when I opened up to read that Mm. quote. No speech marks. Oh, I didn't. That found that really hard. No, I didn't ever realize there weren't speech marks. Oh, I found it really difficult. Oh, because it's on a new line. You know, it's not like Sally Rooney has it all like mixed into paragraphs. Mm. Each time someone new speaks, it's like on a new line. So I didn't. I genuinely didn't ever realize. But I found it like I I got that okay. But what I struggled with was knowing who said that line. And um, there were points where I was like, wait, did the daughter say that or did the mum say that? And it so you had to like wait for them each to have said something <laughs> else for you yeah. to be like, oh, wait, that must have been the mum then. Um, so but I mean, it didn't put didn't reflect badly on the book. for No, me. I mean, it packs the punch at 200 pages. Definitely. They all and, have. Yeah. And um, I read at the end, there was a bit of a bio on the author um, and it said that the author lives in Korea with her wife. So I wonder if part of the book, I mean, it's so easy to say for any author, isn't it? Is it part yeah. autobiographical? But I do wonder if, you know, sort of she she purposefully set out to write a book that explores like yeah. the generation divide and um, how gender and sexuality are re- received and perceived in Korea. 
Yeah. Oh, I didn't we, know are, we do take it for granted. You know, in the West, it's, you know, a lot more, I don't want to say common, but it's, you know. It's just more talked about and accepted. Yeah, accepted. Whereas in yeah. Korea, I don't think they're as on the same level as we are. Yeah. Do you have a favourite out of Ooh, the two um, you read? Oh my God, they're both very different. Yeah. Um, if you want something that's a bit more like drama, then I would say if I had your face, but if you want something that's going to really make you think, um, then I'd say. Um, concerning my daughter. Concerning my daughter. Yeah. What about you? Um, mine is going to have to be crying in H Mart. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Wow. It's so good. Like that was such an easy five stars. It's Amazing. brilliant and beautiful and yeah, loved it. Oh, I, I actually love read that. it around the time of Mother's Day, like completely coincidentally. And I was like, oh, I should have hugged my mum. <laughs> and I love that you bought it in flocks as well. I love that I bought it in flocks. Mm-hmm. Um, so concerning my daughter, if this book sounds like a bit of you and you want to win an April Books That Matter box because it also has a beautiful tote bag, and some Korean skincare goodies. We've got a competition and there are two ways to enter. Lauren, take it away. So if like me, you listen on Apple Podcasts, then subscribe, leave a rating and review and use your Instagram handle as your nickname on the review. Or if like me, you listen on Spotify or anywhere else, then follow the podcast on that platform and share a screenshot on your Instagram story tagging at BookReco so you can count your entry that way. Entries for the April box close on Monday the 25th of April and the winner will be announced on our Instagram on Wednesday the 27th of April. If you're listening to this at a later date, then don't worry, it's a monthly competition, so still enter and we'll put your entry towards whatever box it is at the top. so much for listening if you enjoyed today's episode then subscribe leave a rating and review it costs you nothing but it genuinely means a world to us and why not share it with your reading buddy too and if you don't already then you can follow us on instagram at book recos for funnily enough more book recommendations see you next week we'll be here